Thank you for reminding us of the grace of God. Was it not for grace? Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're going to begin reading verses 5 and 6. I'm beginning a new series of sermons today. And... um, I have titled this series of sermons as Building Up Your Faith, or Building Up the Faith. One of the great, great things that the Lord wants us to do is to grow and to develop our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So many times, a lot of times that people will think that salvation is all there is to one's experience with the Lord. I'm reminded of what Dr. J.B. Gimbrell said. Dr. J.B. Gimbrell says conversion is the end of the Christian life, but it is the front end. And that is so true, is it not? A lot of times people stop exactly where they started, and that is at that moment of conversion. And they never grow, and they never mature, and they never develop. For the next several weeks, we're going to talk about that. Jude, in Jude 20, tells us, But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, building up yourselves up on your most holy faith, And so, in order to build, you got to make sure that you have a proper foundation. And if you don't have a proper foundation, what you're going to build will eventually fall. And so, therefore, we're reminded that the foundation needs to be sturdy, and it needs to be strong, and it's the beginning point. I'm reminded of what Luke chapter 6, verse 48 and 49 says. Luke chapter 6 tells us, He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house. And could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. So, we need to build, build that house up, and we need to build that faith, as Jude is telling us. Hebrews chapter 6 reminds us of that very thing. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1 says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, on to maturity, on to development, what the writer is saying. 
laying, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Oh, how important it is to have a proper foundation. We're going to talk about that foundation this morning. And in the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about building on top of that foundation, building those faith. And so, in your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, let's look at this verse of Scripture, verses 5 and 6. Would you stand with me in reverence of reading God's Word? Listen to what the Bible says in verse 5. Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Did you hear what he said? That every man, every woman, boy and girl, needs to take a thorough look and examine their faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. But I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that you will empower us, fill us with your presence, anoint us with your Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray that you will help us to examine one's life today to see whether we're in the faith or not. And how important it is to come to that conclusion, to know that I know that I know that I know that I am in Jesus Christ and that Christ is in me. For I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. What we're going to do this morning, I'm going to invite every single one of you to come along and join with me as we began to examine ourselves. Once a year, I go to the doctor, and I have what is called an annual checkup. And that annual checkup, they began to check my vitals, they began to check my blood pressure, they began to check all that there is about me to make sure that my body is healthy. And if it is not, they began to take action against that. Today, we're going to have an annual checkup. And today, as we began to focus on our lives spiritually, there's three things that I want you to discover and to understand as we take this annual checkup this morning. First of all, the examination of our salvation. It is an exam. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, examine yourselves, as he says, as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless... Indeed, you are disqualified. I remember hearing Billy Graham say something 
many, many years ago. That kind of startled me at first, but the more I thought about it, I realized how true that was. Billy Graham said one of the largest mission fields in the world is in the local church. Is in the local church. So many people have, quote, what may look be, that will be looked upon as having religion, but they do not have a relationship. They do not have a thorough relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. O.S. Hawkins, he came along right after Billy Graham, and he made a statement very similar to that. He said, one of the greatest evangelistic harvest fields in America just might be the people on our church roll. How true that is. Wouldn't it be sad to go through life, come to church week after week after week after week, and die and go to hell? And yet, I'm afraid that's exactly what happens a lot of times. Simply because they have never really taken time to examine themselves. Some people are wrestling with doubt today. How do I overcome doubt? I remember reading one time about Libby Twain, Mark Twain's Beautiful wife. She was prime, prim and proper. She was a lady that stood above all ladies. But there was something about Mark Twain that disturbed her. As he would take language of cursing and intertwine that into his lectures and his talks. And it bothered her. She thought she would do something. One particular day, as he was getting ready to go to a lecture, she uh, was tying his bow tie, and she thought, I'm going to do a shock treatment. And with a smiling face, she began to use every curse word he had ever used right there in his face. After she got through, she was looking to see his reaction. And he made this statement. He says, Libby, you got the words, but you ain't got the music. You know, there's a lot of people in our church today have the words, but they don't have the music. Just not a part of them. Just not a part of their lifestyle. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 and 6, it gives us a command. A command to examine. Let's look at that for a few moments. First of all, I want you to notice the of how he wants us to prove the validity of our claim. Notice what he says there in verse 5. Examine yourself. In other words, scrutinize yourself. Put yourself to a test. 
Paul was telling us that their profession of faith needs to be put to a test. Can your faith be put to a test this morning? Check your profession of faith. Is it really real? Or is it something that you profess and something that you do not possess? He says, because there's going to come a day that you may prove yourself being disqualified. I can imagine one day standing before the great white throne judgment of God. And as the Lord opens up the books of life, and as he begins to go back and just retrieve my life, and seeing that I've done this, and I've done that in the church, but I've never had that personal relationship. That he could not find my name in the Lamb's book of life. What a terrible, terrible thing that would possibly be. I remember a number of years ago when I was about 15 years old, I was turning 16 and I was getting ready to uh, get my driver's license. And I remember that, uh, that uh, in North Carolina you took tri- driver's ad at school during um, the, the time of study hall. And boy, there was nothing in my life I wanted any more than my driver's license. I studied and I studied and I studied and I studied. And I think I had the best grade in that class because I wanted my driver's license. Eventually, of course, we took the driving test and all that. Well, the day came when I was 16 years old. And... That day, I was at DMV. I was ready for them to open the doors and for me to take that test. And there, I was going to pass it with flying colors, and I would have my driver's license. Well, guess what happened? I flunked it. (laughs) I took the test, and I don't know if I got nervous. I don't know what happened, but I flunked the test. And then the lady told me, she says, well, this is a new test. And she says, we have new questions that maybe you hadn't studied. I said, well, can I take the old test? (laughs) And believe it or not, she allowed me to take the old test, and I passed it. (laughs) I think she had mercy and grace in her life that day to help me to pass the test. But how terrible it would have been to not to pass the test. Of life. Oh, my friend, I want you to understand there's going to come a great day that if you have not made that decision, you're going to fail and flunk the test. So, we have talked about that you need to prove the validity of your claim, but you also need to present the validity of. Our claim. Look what he says in verse 5. Test yourself. Test yourself. In other words, there should be evidence in my life. Should be evidence in your life. Whether you are of the faith. 
I always have said that I believe that salvation is like measles. It'll pop out all over you. When there's real salvation, my friend, others are going to see the evidence of it. And they're going to see it that it is real, that it's not a pretense, but that it is real. And then thirdly, that you need to possess the validity of your claim. He says, do you not know your own selves? Know means to understand one's own self. In other words, they're not only telling us to examine ourselves. He's not only telling us that there should be evidence of salvation, but that we should also begin to realize that the Spirit of God that lives within us will begin to penetrate and to make make Himself known unto you. Do we have that most holy faith? Oh, you cannot always gain assurance, and you should not gain assurance by what others may say about you. It is a personal thing. Sort of remind me about two boys went to the uh, dentist. And uh, one little boy looked at the dentist. He said, I've got a tooth that needs to be pulled. I don't care about any anesthesia. He said, I don't care about anything like that. He said, I want you to just go in there and yank it out. The dentist says, well, okay, show me which tooth it is. He says, Willie, show him which tooth it is. Well, friend, I want you to understand that as I think about my life, I should be focusing upon myself and not upon somebody else. How many times when an invitation is given, we might turn around and say, boy, so-and-so should have walked the aisle that day. Boy, the preacher really talked to that person that day. You heard about the guy that come out the door every day on Sunday and he would shake the preachers by the hand and he would say, Preacher, boy, you sure did let them have it today. You sure did let them have it today. Until one particular day, there was a snow day and nobody showed up except the preacher and that man. The preacher thought, well, I'm going to be able to get to him today. He gave, pointed both barrels and laid in on that guy. Afterward, as they were walking out the door, that guy said, boy, if they'd have been here, they would have really got it today. (laughs) Well, my friend, I want you to understand. We need to look at ourselves personally and not to someone else. So, First of all, I want you to notice the examination. That test that the Lord tells us. And then secondly, the experience of our salvation. Now, let's stop and think about that holy faith, that experience that we are looking at. How about the day that you got saved? How about that day, that opportunity that happened in your life? So many people today are plagued with doubt. They cannot remember. I'm not asking you that you're to remember every single item or everything that you said or everything that you did. 
But there should stand out a particular day in your life that when you got saved. It should stand out. Immediately, I can uh, think back on that Thursday night, and I've shared with you a number of times, that Thursday night that when I got saved, I remember that night quite well. I don't remember all that was said, but I remember that through that whole service, I felt there was a tugging in my heart. There was a pulling. And I wanted to get things right in my life to the point that I kept thinking to myself, I wish that preacher would hurry up and hush where I could go on down to the altar and get right. And I remember when I walked forward. I remember when I knelt. And I remember my mother and my Sunday school teacher kneeling down beside me. I'll never forget that. I was at the age of 12. I remember that. Now, all that I said and all that I did, I may not remember all the exact things, but I remember that day. Do you remember that day? Can you say, I remember at a certain time. You may not know the date or the hour, but you remember the day. Can you say that I remember that day? Well, let me ask you a question. Your experience, what is it based upon? Is it based upon just an experience? An emotional experience? Absolutely not. It's got to be based upon the Word of God. I remember there was a young lady that came to our house when I was living in South Carolina. And she was wrestling with doubt. And I immediately asked her, I said, well, share with me the day that when you invited Christ in your life. She said, oh, preacher. She said, I've been a Christian all my life. She said, my mama told me that I was a Christian. Two things immediately. Number one, you haven't always been a Christian. Number two... I don't care what mama says, my friend. If you have never invited Christ in your life, you're not a Christian. Friend, I want you to understand that it's got to be based upon the Word of God. It's not based upon emotions. I know that you can... Some of us are emotional and we cry when our hearts are tugged. But it's not based upon emotions. Emotions come and go. But it's simply based upon what the Word of God says. I've done what the Bible tells me to do. I remember that Thursday night. That my Sunday school teacher, she took out her Bible. And I remember she took me down a road called the Roman Road. And I remember as I looked at Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I remember as she took me to Romans 6, 23. And then she took me 
to Romans 10, 9, 10, where that if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that God had raised him from the dead, I shall be saved. In other words, I listened to what the Word of God said, and then I did accordingly. That's what salvation is all about. Oh, my friend, you not only must experience, your experience must be based upon the Word of God, but it must also be based upon the work of God, the work of Christ. I'm talking about what the Bible says. I'm talking about trusting, inviting Him and Him alone for salvation. The Bible is very clear of that. Listen to what the Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has has everlasting life. Did you hear that? He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. How horrible to think. A person that does not believe, the Bible says that the wrath of God abides upon him. Now this is crucial. It's not based upon what? you have done, but it's based upon whom you have trusted in the Lord. And so when I think about that, there's a lot of people today, and I think of one particular denomination especially, that they say if you're a part of our denomination that you're going to go to heaven. Well, my friend, your denomination didn't die for you. Your denomination didn't rise from the grave. And so it's not based upon a denomination. And it's not based upon you doing certain things such as just being baptized. There's a lot of people being baptized and they said, because I have been baptized, I know I'm going to heaven. I've had many people to tell me if I asked them about being baptized a child of God. They say, oh, let me tell you when I was baptized. Baptism is important. Just as we saw that this morning. Baptism is very important. But my friend, I want you to understand, you can be baptized in every creek and know every frog by name and still die and go to hell. Baptism will not save you. Baptism is a reflection of what has happened outwardly and that what has taken place inwardly. And so people think that if I'm just a part of a church, I'll never forget in this church many years ago, I went and I visited a lady in one of our nursing homes. She had been a member of this church for ages. She had one of our leaders in the WMU during that time. She had taught Sunday school. 
And I'll never forget, as I was sitting in her room in the nursing home, I called her by name and I said, Ma'am, I said, tell me when you invited Christ into your life. Immediately she began to tell me, Preacher Blunt baptized me. I said, oh, that's wonderful. I said, but when did you invite Christ into your life? Oh, I was president of the WMU, and she gave me the number of years. I said, that's wonderful. I said, but when did Christ come into your life? And you know, she got angry with me. She said, why are you pressing the issue? I told you when I got baptized. I said, simply because baptism won't save you. Until finally, not that particular day, but a later date, she confessed that she had never been saved. All those years. Why, if anybody would have asked, they would have said she would have stood out in the front of the line. She had all of her membership right in order. But she never, ever, ever, ever had invited Christ into her life. What a tragedy! Fortunately, I can say, praise the Lord, before she died, she did invite the Lord into her life. And what a difference it made in her life. So you're not depending on what. Salvation is not a what, but it is a whom. Whom I have believed on. Whom I have trusted my life on. Charles Spurgeon said something that I thought was so good. He said, turn thy eye thither. See Jesus only. He suffers. He bleeds. He dies. He is buried. He rises again. He ascends on high. Give up all other trust and rely on Jesus alone, alone on Jesus, and thy shalt pass from death unto life. He sums it up. He sums it up. But let's go one step further. We've talked about for a few moments the examination of our salvation. We've talked about the experience of our salvation. But what about the evidences? If I'm saved and truly saved, will there not be evidence? Absolutely. James chapter 2 verse 17 says, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. James is not saying that faith and works together saves a person. What he is saying here is that a person that is saved will work. And so, Notice what he says in James chapter 2, verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. And I will show you my faith 
by my works. James is declaring that real salvation, there will be evidence of works. You cannot work your way to heaven. I know that, and I understand that's not what he is saying. But there's works that demonstrates your faith. And as I share what God's doing in my life, I'm demonstrating the evidences of my salvation. I think it's twofold. Number one, I think there is evidence of my life. Listen to what he says in 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 and following. Now, by this we know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. He who says, I know Him, and does not keep His commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in Him. But whoever keeps His word, truly the love of God is perfected in Him. By this we know that we are in him. And he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Walking and talking, they go together. In other words, your walk will match your talk. And so that's exactly what he's talking about. One of the reasons that I know that I'm a child of God and that I have experienced that faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is because there has come within me a desire to keep His Word. And when I do something in life, whether by deed, whether by word, or whether by thought. I don't have to wait to come to church on Sunday morning and to hear a preacher preach to convict me. Immediately, my friend, I am convicted. The Holy Spirit of God will remind me that I have disobeyed His word. And there He leads me to 1 John one nine, where the Bible says, if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all of my unrighteousness. And that I have the desire to want to live in his fellowship. And when I'm out of the fellowship, he makes me miserable. Now you take a person that does not have the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't bother him. He can sin, and it doesn't bother him one bit. And so one of the true evidences that one has come to know Christ as their personal Savior is that he has a desire to live his life according to the Word of God. But not only that. There will be the evidence of my love. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, listen to this. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in 
death. One of the reasons, one of the evidences that I know that I am a child of God, I have a love for the body of Christ. I long for Sunday morning to come. And if I miss a Sunday, it seems like it's the longest week of my life. I love to be able to shake your hand. I love to see your smiling face. I love to be in the fellowship of God's people. I love that fellowship. Why is that? Because God has given me a love. A love for the body of Christ. I wonder about these people who said they've been saved, that they know Christ as their Savior, but they never attend church. That's like a guy that says he loves fishing, but he never goes fishing. You do what you love to do. And one of the things that I know is because I have a love for my Lord. When we sing songs, I feel like sometimes that they're like love songs that I'm able to Share with my Lord. That is what worship is all about. That is why we come together and we join together. It's not just something that we've added, but it's because God's people are coming together, united, lifting their voices, lifting their hearts up to Almighty God. Because they have a love, not only for their brethren, but they have a love for God himself. Well, let me ask you a question. How did you do on the test? Did you pass the test? Is there room for doubt? You say, well, pastor, I'm not sure exactly when I was saved. I just personally believe that salvation is so great that you'll remember a particular time when it happened. And I just don't believe that you can not remember. And so I'm going to encourage you today, nail that thing down. Before we go and build any more blocks, let's get the foundation right. Amen. Amen.